Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. Hello everybody, I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine, but I heard myself saying to Emily yesterday, I'm just going to pop downstairs to take my collagen and a laxative. (laughs) All the greats. Which is a sort of terrible snapshot of my life. I've been on so many painkillers for the slip disc. My God, the things that painkillers do to your digestion is a whole nother podcast in itself. And also this company called Revive, well, they make collagen and someone sent us like a crate of it. And I just thought, fine, I'll, I'll start taking it. So laxatives and collagen. How are you, Em? Well, I'm absolutely fine. But I also got sent the Revive collagen. I'm really laughing now because there was no note, nothing. It just arrived. And I thought, oh, great. I just started taking it. And then now I'm thinking, my God, if you want to poison women, just send them collagen in the post. Yes. I'll just take it. Just post them some promises. Exactly. And you can take them out. It's so true. It's a bit like death becomes her, isn't it? It's like we'll do anything for that kind of promise of a little bit more youth. Anyway, it's a depressing thought. But I tell you what isn't a depressing thought. It's our next guest, Anna Richardson, who, and I'm going to say this with enthusiasm, has seen more naked people than anyone else in the world. <laughs> Thanks to being the host of Channel 4's Naked Attraction. Now, she's also a journalist and a qualified hypnotherapist and recently launched It Can't Just Be Me, a sex and relationship and problem podcast where she answers all kinds of problems about anything from can you be friends with an ex to how do I cope with my partner's depression? More cheerily, we are thrilled to have you here, Anna. How are you? Well, hello, girls. I'm absolutely fine. But I have to confess, I've had a friend staying with me for the last few weeks, this this guy that I know. So he's living with me at the moment. And I don't know him that well. He's a kind of like a fairly new friend. But I've discovered that he eats at least seven eggs a day. So we get a delivery of probably about 70 eggs a week coming through the door. And they're all stacked up in my kitchen. And I've, I've put him up in, in, in my loft room to stay up there. And I've noticed that there's a strange leaking that's coming from his toilet area, coming through my ceiling. So I'm thinking, is my system now completely egg-bound because of my friend who just only eats eggs? But not only oh that, God. every night at 10pm my internet goes down. So my internet connection suddenly just disappears. So I'm thinking, what's he doing up there? Not only does he just eat a million eggs a day, not only is something going wrong with my system up there, but now my internet's going down. Is he streaming porn constantly? Wanking so viciously that he's killing the Wi-Fi. I think that's what, he's killing the Wi-Fi and, and clogging up. clogging up by cl- eggs. Cl- clogging up the waste pipe. Wanking and pooing. I I don't know what it is. I'm like, do you know what? Because he's a friend. Men, eh? Wouldn't happen if it was a girl staying with you. (laughs) But how do you say... So I'm absolutely fine. But how do you say to a friend, listen, about the egg eating and about the Wi-Fi, what what are you doing up there exactly every night? How do you have that conversation? The mind boggles i'm is he only eating eggs is that all he eats is he is on some egg diet well he does he does also eat raw meat and i'm a vegetarian Anna, <laughs> i mean the plot thickens it, it does doesn't it? i think it's because he's really into his fitness so he gets up every morning and off he goes to the gym and he's just very very fit so i think it's this whole thing of you know, mega high protein, you know, raw mints, raw eggs, and then Wi-Fi shenanigans at 10pm. I don't know. I don't know. But how do I you mean, say maybe to Maybe he's given himself just sort of 
constant salmonella slash dysentery <laughs> from all the lytheria. What's it called? That thing you can't do when you're pregnant. You're all the terrible bacteria that's in all oh, the listeria. Listeria. There we go. Oh, listeria. Rhymes um, with hysteria. So Very this good. is a good problem, isn't it? It's like, um, dear Anna, what would I do if I have a difficult house guest? What do I say to them? I'm going to ask you. You're both having <laughs> an answer. Well. What do I do? Well, I mean, this is the thing. Anna's got a problem podcast. We are... Um, and a problem. And a problem. We are the agony aunts for the Telegraph. I think the world divides, actually, into people who are very bored by other people's problems and people who just are fascinated with them. And I don't even think it's nosiness. It's something around, you know, feeling recognised and realising that it isn't just us, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my podcast is, you know, it can't just be me. And we have listeners who write in or leave a voice note with their problems. And myself and a psychotherapist and a celeb who's experienced a similar problem all pile in to try and give advice. And you're quite right. What is the fascination with advice? I've always been fascinated by it. I always used to read the columns in the magazines when I was a teenager and in my 20s. And I think there's something about wanting to fix somebody else's pain if you like as you say it's hearing somebody else's pain and wanting to help them and navigate them through and to say do you know what I hear you I've been there as well and this is how I fixed it so I think it's just and it's a very female thing because I don't think there are that many not that many agony uncles out there. It does tend to be a, a sort of female thing I think or a feminine thing the desire to try and heal and help and fix something for other people I think and it's a twin desire isn't it to the desire that we all have to be seen and heard and known in ourselves so if we can if we can try and and offer that out then there's something very nutritious around it for us for the person giving the advice as well it's a sort of selfish pleasure as well as one that's trying to help well, absolutely, 100%. I mean, you're, you're quite right that when we, you know anyway, that we mirror people's emotions, don't we? So I guess that when we feel that we've offered some advice or help that has been really, really useful, that's reflected back. And you're right, it, you know, it's a dopamine hit. It makes us feel better. So, yeah. I mean, I love it. I, 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 I'm, a, we are nosy, we're journalists and we are nosy. But B, I think that we're kind people and the desire is there to connect and the desire is there to just try and make this difficult life right now a little bit better. Mm. Also, I think it's rather, it's really nice when you feel like your world is going to hell in a handcart that you can offer, try and help someone else find a solution. It makes you feel like maybe you're in more con- in control of your of your own personal situation. Yeah, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> yeah. But also, yes, you can learn a little bit about yourself in giving some really serious thought to someone else's dilemma. 100%. I mean, I kind of act... I guess on, on It Can't Just Be Me, I act a little bit, you know, as the interviewer and the ringmaster and I, I allow the psychotherapist to actually give the bulk of the advice because I, I want to defer to somebody that's actually really got that expertise and it, and it does, it gives you the headspace as well to think about your, yeah, your own issues and what you need to address within your own life as well because you're quite right, even though we dish out advice, we're all struggling with our own you know, detritus every day as well that we've got to navigate. Yeah, and thinking about your egg issue, I mean, it just, it just, it reminded me, you know, because obviously I have to bring it back to myself, but it reminded me of what a sort of horrible people pleaser I am. And therefore the idea of like confront, any kind of confrontation like, makes me feel really uncomfortable. We were talking about, you know, the extreme measures we would we would go to to avoid any kind of confrontation. But the idea of sitting someone down and saying, listen, you know, do you mind not having 
having so many you know eggs because of this or whatever it is and then for them to react in a kind of really negative way it makes me feel or an negative way it makes me feel really <laughs> like makes me feel really panicky yeah even the thought of it is making me feel a bit sweaty do you know what I mean and so it's sort of like it just reminds me that that's something that I've got to keep working on that ability to just be able to it isn't the end of the world to say actually you know what's my space it's really bothering me for fuck's sake we should be absolutely able to kind of draw those boundaries yeah, without yeah, fear yeah because 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 the wi-fi isn't working when I want to you know do some work or do something I need to do or watch something and there it's something is leaking through my ceiling I mean those are genuine consequences to whatever is happening upstairs it's it's not just you feeling a bit weird. It's not just, well, you know, don't be such an asshole, Anna. There are things going on that are affecting your house and your life. And yet still, you're like, I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> I, I don't, but also, I mean, yes, there are all, the, all of those questions, all of the above. But I'm genuinely just curious oh, about that too. what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, it's compelling. <laughs> are the eggs all raw or is it like a fried scrambled boiled poached rotation there's a lot of boiled i notice oh, yeah. and it's kind of like batch boiling so a lot of boiling i mean you know this boy batch boiling. batch boiling this boy he's fit you know he takes his diet very very seriously he's got a beautiful body so i guess yeah you know he's got a batch boil he's got a batch boil i don't i now, don't get involved speaking of beautiful bodies she said the word body <laughs> She left herself wide open. I'm so sorry. Because, of course, <laughs> naked attraction. Oh, yes. I mean, talk about compelling. And the, I suppose, am I right in saying that the, really the, the concept for the show, of anyone who hasn't seen it, is that everything happens backwards? So basically it's dating in reverse. For people that haven't seen it, where have you been? But yeah. it, it's dating in reverse. So we, we start off with people naked in six pods in a studio and we have somebody who wants to pick a partner but they're picking their partner naked first the idea being that uh, normally when you go on a date you meet somebody with their clothes on you really really fancy them you get them home they take their clothes off and you are literally aghast at the horror before you <laughs> so we thought why don't we do it the other way around? Let's pick them naked first and then see if you get on. Then they can be horrified by the personality. By the actual personality. <laughs> and their clothes. So we reveal the first half goes up to the waist. Uh, then we go up to the neck. Then we reveal the head and then we hear their voice. And we go from there. So yeah, it's literally dating in reverse. There's something weird about revealing the head rather than revealing the face. Isn't there? I thought you'd say we're going to reveal the head, like yeah, it's sort head. Of somehow mummified. It's like, con- <laughs> like consequences. Yes, it's like, it's like real life consequences. It is real life because the, the head never matches the body, the bits of the body that you've seen before. And that's the, that's the joy. I mean, there's so many joys to naked attraction, but part of the gameplay and part of the joy with naked is when you get to the head or hear them speak and you're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh You must my have goodness. learned so much about the sort of, I guess, about the sort of disconnect, like you said, between how people present themselves when they're fully packaged and how they are actually when they're completely naked and vulnerable. A hundred percent. I mean, it, it never fails to deliver on so many sort of comedic levels. And also actually some very emotional and uh, very, you know, eye-opening sort of educational levels as well. But yeah, I mean, in the first instance, you learn, don't you, that the looks are completely deceiving. And so much, we learn so much from how somebody dresses, how somebody speaks, 
all of those unconscious biases that we have. And that's stripped away in naked attraction. So it's interesting. But then on a sort of an emotional level, there's something very moving about somebody coming onto the show that's naked and saying, I have a stoma, for example, or I have a disability, you know, I'm in a wheelchair, um, or I've got a hidden disability. And their answer is, at what point, if I were going on a regular date, would I reveal to somebody, I've got a stoma, you know, or I have one leg? At what point do I do that? Whereas at least with this show, you can see what I've got, and we go from there. So it is, I mean, it's a really beautifully nuanced show for all its comedy. I always wonder what would drive a person to go on telly completely naked, because I don't think it is extreme body confidence is it I mean one of the brilliant things about the show is it really really isn't Love Island it's all shapes and sizes thank god because that's who we all are um but but what do you think motivates people to come on and 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 want to try and meet someone like this and also do it in front of the nation we ask ourselves that question (laughs) thank god they do every series and every series we are inundated with people who want to do it I think that there's several reasons I mean look let's be frank you get uh, some people who are the chancers that recognise that they're like, well, hey, you know, I might get a shag out of this at the end of the day. You get the big show-offs that just think it's really funny that they can then sort of go into work with the lads and be like, hey, you'll never guess what I did on Friday. Um, you get the people that, that frankly are there for self-promotion, that maybe they're influencers or they've got a bit of an online business, you know, as a gamer or, you know, and they're looking for followers. You you get You get some people like that. And then you get people who genuinely are going, well, why not? I've tried yeah. everything else. You know, mm-hmm. why not go for this? And, and it's, a, it's a bit of a laugh. And you also get those people that are going, I'm trans and I want people to be educated about what I look like um, or I have a disability and I, I, I want that to be recognised. So there's all kinds of different reasons for why people go on. Have there been any naked attraction marriages? Not yet, but I am waiting. We do have a couple, and I, I want it to happen. I'm putting it out there for anybody listening. I want the <laughs> naked wedding. We do have a couple from series two that are still living together, who are amazing. And we, I know that we have, I think, a naked engagement between a, a gay couple. And yeah, we've, we've got people who are still seeing each other, but ugh, not the wedding yet. Not the wedding yet. What do you think you've learned about attraction from naked attraction about what really brings people together you know because sometimes people say oh it's chemistry or it's the banter or it's shared values or what what have you taken from this radical way of people you know colliding I think that when we start to reveal the bodies you definitely have that beginning point of what does somebody find attractive so you will have people let's say that we reveal up to up to the neck you definitely have that visceral reaction in terms of oh, I don't really like guys that have got a really, really hairy chest. So you you kind of weed out what you personally find physically attractive. But then when you reveal their face and then their voice, it all changes again. And everybody says that. They're like, oh, my God, he's got gorgeous eyes. Look at the way he's looking at me. Oh, my, it's making me blush. God, I really fancy him. And then when they speak, it's like, oh, I love the way he talks. He's got a really funny answer. So really, you kind of run the entire gamut of what you find physically attractive about somebody. And then you've got that spark at the end, you know, that chemistry Mm. at the end. 
I tell you what I always find a really compelling moment is when it is as the chooser, I suppose, you know, you know, knocks people out of the equation, says, right, I'm going to say goodbye to the guy in the green pod or I'm going to say goodbye to the girl in the yellow pod or the person in the you know blue pod is then in order to as a consolation you know goodbye ah oh, what a shame goodbye they have to have a naked hug <laughs> i know and we encourage it we love so it we um, encourage that every time it was so difficult during covid because they obviously weren't allowed to hu- to have that awkward naked hug i mean the other thing that i love about the show is that when somebody eliminates say you know the girl in the green pod that when they then end up picking the person that they're going to go with you can see that often they're like fuck, I've made a real mistake with that. I really should have kept the girl in the green pod. So, you know, there's all kinds of... um, We're talking about could we mix this up and mix up the gameplay that you would be able to bring somebody back. Because, yeah, that happens quite a lot. Because can they ever then get hold of... Of, of this, yeah. you know, late lamented green pod. Well, no, they can't at the moment. But this is this is what would be a, a sneaky twist on the format, is that you could go, do you want to bring back the red pod? Yes, I do. Oh, and of course, mixing it up. The, the other thing you've got is that when you've got the, the two people at the end that are waiting to be picked, often you'll see them standing there going, oh, Christ, because they don't fancy the picker. So you can just see them oh. going, oh, no, oh, no. I've now got to go on a date with this human being. Yes, so, yeah, course. so well, that's I interesting. Thought that. I know, isn't that interesting that we're so, I mean, we're so fixated about being chosen yes you know the joy and privilege of being chosen that it doesn't even it didn't even occur to emily or i to think well you know maybe i've got some agency in this yes exactly like rather than just uh, standing there naked trotting off like a sort of dog i mean the other lovely moment that i love after the naked hug is when they they walk they go oh thanks so much and they walk off and they're filmed walking off and their little bottom walks (laughs) their little spotty bottoms absolute every time (laughs) love it (laughs) And the uh, and the other thing that I always notice is how unnaked people are nowadays in terms of the level of tattoos and piercing. Speaking as someone who only has pierced ears, I mean it, it it's it's quite. I always think it's rare on Naked Attraction to see an actual naked as the day you were born body. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, this has been commented on by the whole team, and maybe it's to do with the generation because obviously we are Gen X, aren't we? So yeah. I think that the, the Gen Zers, the millennials and the Gen Zers, it is just de rigueur to be inked up and have tats. So you're right. We rarely see somebody that hasn't been inked or have a tattoo. And I mean, it's almost radical. Yes, yes. Do you know, I was talking to somebody the other day who was saying exactly that, that, you know, he, he was going, I'm going to be that top percentage that has got nothing on my body. I'm going to be the, the, the exception to the rule yeah. and there is something about that and of course pubic hair as well you know where I mean, all the remember gone? that are they completely gone pretty much i mean you'll occasionally for men and women yeah oh yeah 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 so you'll occasionally get like a maybe a little bit of a landing strip um but by and large they're either completely gone or they're really really trimmed close I wonder if any of them have a Hitler moustache, which was always your wax of choice in your twenties, <laughs> wasn't it? Time to hit the moustache. I remember you taking your knickers down one night when we were having dinner in my house. At a party, yes, exactly. At a dinner party, I did. Well, I needed to show everybody my Hitler moustache. Yeah, it was in the yeah. early days of Brazilians. I yes, suppose. exactly. Oh, God, the I early just, days, I think, the original. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. Which is why I know I never had a Hollywood though, just the Hitler. Uh, have you yeah, never I mean, had a Hollywood? The worst. No. Thing. I mean, almost like slipping a disc. It's just <laughs> awful. 
dear. It's so undignified. So now you've obviously know everything about what it is to be naked in front of the world. What have you learned from doing your podcast now? What have you learned to the kind of are people's biggest problems? What are people mostly writing in? Or the recurring voices? themes yeah. today? Do you know, there is no sort of recurring theme. I think it's just life problems, like like all of us at the moment. I think that what I, what I can see, though, and what the team can see, is a real need for connection. So, I mean, I guess taking outside of, 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 of the podcast and just in general, I get the sense that post-Brexit, post-Covid, certainly post-Covid, we know that we've got a mental health crisis. We know that kids in particular are really suffering. We know that divorce rates have gone up. So there is a need, I think, for us to calm down and connect again. I, I, I still think we're suffering from the effects of, of isolation. And that's interesting to me. I think we're all a lot more anxious than we used to be. I think it's true. And it's, it's, we've, we've known about the need to connect. We knew about it pre-pandemic, but we came out of, of, of the pandemic so exhausted that it, it becomes harder to motivate yourself to try. And it's like the, the gaps got wider and we're too tired to bridge it. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a strange thing, isn't it? Yeah. And I think as well, like we're sort of it's a difficult relationship between what we now think that we want. So, for example, working from home. And the sort of the realisation of the horror of the commute and the realisation of, you know, how expensive it is actually to kind of, you know, have, I don't know, get a lunch in central London or all of those things. But at the same time, of how actually ultimately unhealthy it is to sit in your room on Zoom all day. Yeah. So how do you square the competing feelings, right? Oh, my God, I don't want to get on a tube. But at the same time, if I do get on a tube and go into an office, I will like have those kind of water cooler moments or whatever it is with people, people, actual people. Yeah. But at the same time, aren't people awful? And please, can I get away from them? And, and I'm so tired. And I'm so tired. And yet I feel much less tired on the days I have to put on my, you know, fully functioning human woman outfit and get out the house and be around people all day. Those, you know, the old fashioned days we used to do and you, you leave the house at eight and you're back in the evening the prospect of it is horrifying the reality of it is quite energizing it's actually i totally agree with you so i've started working uh, i'm working on, on another show for channel four at the moment about about the slimming jab um as empic and there is something really great about getting up getting your clothes on and doing that commute into the office and being with a team the idea of it as you say is just ah uh, ghastly <laughs> But actually, the reality is like, oh, I've really enjoyed this. This is this is energizing. It's 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 connection. It's purpose. It's motivation. It's movement. And I think the danger is, you know, we're doing this now, aren't we? Sitting over Zoom, doing a podcast, sitting. There is no movement, and we've had that with the pandemic for three years. It's not good. No, it it it's not good. And actually, I'd rather do work outings than sort of go to a party or something. Mm. That's terrifying. Mm. Yeah, I think what? I think people have lost the art of of socialising for sure. So I went to um, a party the other night, and someone made a speech and said, "I'd like to thank the sponsors of this event, Azempic, as a joke." <laughs> oh, really? What have you learned about Azempic on the way? Because it was a sort of trickle that became a flood, right? Yeah. So we are still in pre-production at the moment. Uh, we haven't started filming yet, so we're still in our initial research phase. But I was looking into it anyway myself at the beginning of the year. I went to go and speak to a couple of doctors about it because, you know, I'm menopausal. I've put weight on. I'm pre-diabetic. Both my parents are diabetic, so I'm at a greater risk of diabetes. 
And I just thought, God, you know, maybe maybe this slimming jab thing's the thing. Maybe mm. that's what I need to just drop mm. that dress size and help myself out a bit. But I don't know. I've been from the people that I know that are on it. And my God, so many people are on it, aren't they? I don't know whether it's sort of possibly put me I don't know the side effects are are, are tricky for some people and also it's not a magic bullet Mm -hmm. you know you can't be on it long term and when you come off it you put all the weight back on Mm. so I I don't know I'm torn I'm torn by and yet it is it it is fantastic for obesity it's interesting to me what it's going to do to the way that we perceive bodies because you know this world where we're, we're, we're trying to break free from this sort of hideous you know patriarchal jail where thinness is prized above all other things we're trying to but we none of us feel greater you know great in ourselves really we emily and i were discussing that we we try to but it, it can be hard and it's interesting because if thinness is associated with self-denial and discipline and also a sort of genetic superiority if you can just inject it then will it in fact lose its luster and it will be less sought after. It'd be interesting if this injection does something societally in that way, won't it? Yeah, definitely. And we were talking about the absurdities of... Um, I, I was remembering that when I was at my thinnest, and not in a fun way, <laughs> um, that, that you know I would weigh myself and I would realise, I would make sure that I was weighing myself without any jewellery, completely naked. First thing um, in the morning. Um, you know, definitely after a poo, definitely after a pee, you know, not having eaten anything. You know, and this sort of, and that was, and this sort of like endless cycle of like, you know, when I have must absolutely strip myself down to my kind of you know most basic part whatever in order to kind of be my thinnest and it's such a mad it's such a corrosive thing and then and I was thinking about you know the idea that actually you know for some people that you know Ozempic might be freedom freedom from that awful awful like you know worry constant thinking about that stuff you know that sort of terrible sort of you know relationship with food etc which which is so destructive well, that's what someone I said to me who I spoke to about it. I, she said, it, it, is, it is freedom. This, all my life, I've had this you know, corrosive relationship with food because I've been the one that, you know, that, that it, I've been the one that got fat. And every time I've got thinner, I've got fatter, it's been constant. And this, I don't even think about food anymore. Mm. So uh, Yes, know, it, but, but what's going to happen when she comes off it? Well, I don't think she's planning to. And what does that say? I mean, well, what, what yeah. you're going to be on it for the rest of your life? Well, that's what, from what I've read about it, it says, you know, if you want, if you want the effects to continue, you've got to stay on this thing. And we interviewed the brilliant, and um, you will love her book, Elise Lunan, or her book's called On Our Best Behaviour, and it's about how the kind of seven deadly sins have leashed women into this kind of obedience thing and the price that we pay to be good. And there was a survey, and it was something like women were willing to lose 10 years of their lives if they would be thin. So it's like, it'd be like, I'd rather die 10 years earlier than, than, than be more than a size or whatever. But it's an extraordinary kind of brutalization of women that's happened over the years about weight, hasn't it? It's just like so toxic. So, so um, my doctor said to me, look, I'd kind of really rather that you just crack on with eating properly and exercising first before we even consider going on a slimming jab. And just, you know, stop freaking drinking so much, frankly. So, yeah. do, you know, do you know what I mean? And, but when I went to go and see my trainer, my trainer said to me, and th- this phrase really stuck with me, and he said, women would far rather hear, you've lost weight, you look great, than I love you. And I thought, oh. that's so true. You've lost yes. weight. You feel so much better when someone says, God, you look good, you've lost weight, rather than, oh, I really love you. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so heartbreaking, and it. But it's so it's it, it's so true. It's exactly women would rather it's die. Not, it's than not. Be... I see you. It's a, I see thinner you. Yeah. I see a better you. Yes. Oh my God. And okay. maybe maybe what you're hearing when you hear as well when you hear you've lost weight you, you are you are now more lovable and I you're mean, a good girl. Exactly. Exactly. You're more lovable. We can approve of you. We look up to you and you're a good girl because you haven't let yourself go. Mm. You haven't let yourself go. I know we're always, we, we interviewed the brilliant Alex Light um, for the podcast and she was like, what do they think is going to happen? <laughs> Women just unleash themselves and just sort of eat what they want or whatever. Don't feel like, what, what, what do they think is going to happen? Of course, nothing because actually ultimately a lot of a lot of it is actually just body chemistry right it's just metabolism it's just like you know it doesn't really matter i think it's it's incredibly depressing actually it is i mean it's really it's really complex it's a, it's a fascinating subject and it is really complex because obviously there's there's research to show that certainly when it comes to obesity that obesity could be classed as a disease that actually uh, genetically you may be 40 to 70 percent controlled by your genes when it comes to obesity so there is a degree of you can't help it. But I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a complex argument because I worry about the public health message of we can just medicate eating too much, being overweight. Because let's face it, I'm willing to bet that the people that you know that, that are on the jab and the people that I know that are on the jab, they're not obese. They're just yeah. they're people that just basically want to drop a dress size. Yeah, yeah. The other really... I listened to a really interesting um, like documentary on the food programme and it, they were talking about this experiment that they'd done in Australia and they basically took people to the bush equivalently for like three months and they all had, they were either sort of classified as obese or had diabetes or um, other conditions that are to do with like being overweight or, you know, food food related issues. And they took them to the bush and they fed them as you would if you were you know, living in the bush. So it was like kangaroo, the stuff that they killed, the people were not the killers, if you see what I mean. But they, you know, crocodile, kangaroo, like nuts and berries, seeds, whatever. And the idea was to keep them there for three months. Within a month, they had all got rid of all of their symptoms, either lost so much weight or no longer testing you know, positive for whatever it was, that they stopped the experiment because it worked after a month. Now, obviously, it's just not practical um to kind of have us all living in a kind of sort of bush but it does mean that ultimately like if we could change the sort of ultra processed food if we could change the diet if they could make you know those things rather than finding the solution medically but rather actually punishing the companies that are creating this ultra processed kind of you know situation it'd be so much better a hundred percent practical i mean yeah i mean that is the public health message isn't it that we should be lobbying part, uh, government we should be speaking to the food industry and lobbying the food industry um this is about re-education it's about how you eat healthily it's about exercise it's about movement it's about mindfulness so that we don't get to being overweight and then obese in the first place. So I think it's really interesting, the idea that pharmaceutical companies are going to medicalise our nation and the idea that this could become as common as just taking an everyday pill. Yeah. You know? It, where, so then there, wherein lies the personal responsibility? It's interesting. It's a very interesting debate. It's a strange thing because it's either incredibly optimistic for the 40 to 70%, yeah. or it's totally dystopian. Yes, I know, it's really odd. <laughs> is it a horror film or is it a fairy tale? Yes, yeah, yeah, really good point, yeah. 
I'll be nicking well, that for the documentary, thanks. <laughs> you can have it, from me to you. Um, so, so when does it come out? Uh, well, we are just in, in, in production at the moment, so I think it'll be coming out probably sort of autumn time, I oh, think. So, so yeah, it'll be coming out soon, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and then when's the next series of Naked? Well, we're waiting to hear. So I'm hoping that we will start filming again next year. Um, it was put on hold for this year because we've got basically too many on the shelf. But yeah, hopefully, I'm just God willing, it'll be back next year because it is quite literally my favourite show. Well, we love all the stuff that you do, and and that show particularly could could be a, a, a incredibly awkward and almost unwatchable. But there's something about your lightness of touch that makes it fucking funny and completely fascinating and heartfelt, as oh, you thank say. You. Thank you so much for coming to see us. I yeah, mean, absolutely. It's been what, brilliant. What a joy. And please, please come back soon. I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. And now that we've, we've worked out that actually we're basically neighbours, quite literally will be coming round and you will be seeing me soon. So uh, thank and, you, uh, Thrills. Good luck with your egg situation. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I'll let you know what happens. You can't not. <laughs> thank you, girl. Desperate show. Thanks, Anna. Lots Bye. of love. Bye. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Midult. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. Subscribe.